Hey, Craig. Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corbin Heller. And uh, today we'll be doing a little bit of around the horn stuff, just kind of going over things that have been going on, uh, particularly in the worlds of baseball and football, uh, hockey. Uh, Have you been watching much this year? Uh, Barely any. Mostly highlights, not really any games. Yeah, I've been keeping up with uh, with the scores on my phone. I haven't had mm-hmm. the time or sometimes inclination to watch, which I feel relatively guilty about. But at the same time, you know, you got to live your life. Yeah, like I'll, I'll keep up with fantasy and the headlines, but I have really just haven't had time to watch games. So uh, let's talk about some sports we have been watching a little bit more of. Let's start with, uh, let's start with some football shit. Let's do it. You want to start with the Cowboys? <laughs> yeah, we should start with the Cowboys. Uh, so today is uh, Friday the 6th when we are recording this. So, so far, the only NFL game of this week has been the Cowboys-Bears uh, game in which the Bears beat the Cowboys, uh, I think, 31-24. Uh, this is probably the least interesting game ever. Both teams kind of... S- you know what sucks is that Dallas is still first in their division at six and seven. It's mind blowing. I cannot stand it. <laughs> I mean, God, can you can you imagine how fucking mad everyone else in the division must be? Literally, if you were five hundred, you you'd be winning that division right now. Oh yeah, and the, and the Jets. Like, I don't know how you could be. It. I don't know how you could be a fan of any one of those teams in that conference and be like. I'm confident because we're like almost there. We just need like two or three more wins to win the division. Because you're still so, you're you're not going anywhere. Like that's just a team that they should all be taken. I don't know about that. It it's just pathetic to watch. And what's crazy is that they are going to host a playoff game, and it's going to be one of the Minnesota Vikings <laughs> and Seattle Seahawks. And they're going to get the, uh, or the Forty ers yeah, true. Or the 49ers or an outside shot of the Rams. Um, and they're going to get slaughtered again. And Jerry Jones is going to be all fucking stupid. I don't know. I don't have anything really constructive to say about Jerry Jones, except for the fact that I don't care for him as a person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm just wondering what it would be like to work for that kind of guy. Even him uh, specifically. I- Oh man, what do you think it would be like? I feel like the highs are super high and the lows are super low. Like, yeah, you know, team, you know, employee retreat to the Bahamas because you're all so great. And all right, you're here three days straight overnight, you know, because we need to make this trade happen type of just crazy stuff. All right. So you're probably right. He's probably fucking insane. It's probably, uh, Oh, Jerry bought us all Lamborghinis versus don't talk to Jerry. He just ate a person because uh, <laughs> he's probably rich enough that that's an option. <laughs> um, let's let's talk about the Cowboys. So do you want to go over that stat that we both saw? Uh, you could. I, I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> I don't either. That's why I passed it on. <laughs> uh, shit. Can you look it up? <laughs> yeah. You're always so much better. Do you want? Do you want? I know. Do you want to go into like the actual stats first, and then we'll talk about that one? 
Well, I have one thing in particular I'm very interested in bringing up. Um, so I'll hang on to it for a second. The gist of it while Corin's searching for it is that the Dallas offense has been productive. Uh, and it's it's com- compared to the Seahawks. And just for reference for where the Dallas Cowboys stand in um, different aspects of their offense, by measure of yards, which, granted, they have played 13 games as of right now. Everyone else has played 12, so this is all subject to change. But I doubt this will change. Uh, the Cowboys are first in the NFL in yards, 5,601 yards. And unless the Ravens in uh, Sunday's game get 552 yards, which <laughs> is it possible? I guess. Is it likely? Fuck no. Cowboys will probably also end week 13 with the most yards in the NFL. Or week 14, I think we're in. Um, so, and then in ter- if we look at points four, the Cowboys have 334, which is fifth most in the N- NFL. Also, super high. Um, they have run the most plays out of anybody in the NFL, 867. They have the most yards per play, 6.5. They have, I wonder how many turnovers they've lost. They have lost, uh, I lost it already. Oh, fuck me. (laughs) God damn it. Oh, they lost 16, which is the 14th fewest in the NFL, so pretty average. Um, And they have the most first downs, 316. So, by all accounts and by expected points, which is something we've talked about a little bit about where it's just uh, all the actions given uh, that your team has performed in the game tend to lead to certain results. Those results eventually being scoring. So expected points can be like the likelihood um, or the amount of points that you should have scored as a team. Uh, Dallas Cowboys have the second most with 175.51 just behind the Baltimore Ravens. So, by all measures, offense looks good, and yet the Cowboys are six and seven. Yeah, so the stat that uh, I had to look up here is the six and seven Cowboys versus the ten and two Seahawks. The Cowboys have allowed fewer points on defense, um, scored more points on offense, has gained more yards, and allowed fewer yards. So. By all measures, offensively and defensively, the Cowboys are better than the Seahawks, but the Seahawks have four more wins and five less losses. Ain't that some shit? Yeah, it's some fucking shit, man. So, no, go ahead. You sound like you're about to say something. You really just got to, you know, Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator. Uh, he was their backup QB for a number of years. This is his first year as their OC. He has fucking killed it. He has turned Dak into a franchise quarterback. He's using Amari Cooper just super well. The offensive line is looking great. Zeke has been, you know, hit or miss, but he's still had a very good season. Um, and the offense is great. It's just kind of... The rest of the coaching staff that leaves a lot to be desired. Real, real quick, because uh, I have team defense in front of me. Mm-hmm. Who do you think has allowed the most yards on defense this year? Miami. No, they are third. Ooh, can I get a second guess? You may. Um, I'm gonna go wild card and say Atlanta. No, the Falcons are tenth, actually. Ooh. Number two is the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. They have allowed 
4,860 yards thus far through 12 games. Not great. Number one is the Arizona Cardinals with 5,116, 300 uh, 250 more than the than the next team. That's a full ass game more. <laughs> That's really bad. That is yeah. excruciatingly bad. Not great. And they, and they also have the guy with the most sacks in the NFL in their team. Just perplexing. Uh, so the Seahawks are ninth actually on this list. They've allowed 4,427 yards. The Cowboys are 18th, 4,241. So a pretty decent gap. Not earth shattering it's about well like 170 um yeah like 175 yards or so so it's not like it's massive but it is there i want to look at points four though um where the dallas cowboys are still a little uh, a little bit better the dallas cowboys have allowed 267 points on defense the seahawks 293 which over the course of 12 games, do you care about 26 points over 12 games? It's just over two points per game. Not, I'm not sure I not care. Not a super amount. Yeah. It's a difference, but it's not you know necessarily the biggest difference. You know what I mean? I do. Um, yeah, nothing here really looks that ostentatious. Um, mm, okay, word. Ooh, you know what's interesting, though, is the Cowboys have allowed 817 plays the seahawks 758 it's actually a decently sized gap um that that's 60 additional plays that the cowboys have had to be in in on the field for i don't know what to make of any of this i'm not sure i care i'm not sure what i make of it either i wish they had time of possession on here Um, i guess that's an offensive stat uh, yeah, I guess they don't. I don't see it. But that is that is interesting. Do you they see anything that really jumps out for you here? No, that's what I was looking for. Time of possession was going to be the thing I was going to hopefully lay my hat on, but it's not here. Well, I um, guess it really it's just going to be the converse they were, whatever the time of possession is on offense, right? Yeah, but they um, don't have it on either. So it's, oh, it's super <laughs> great. Yeah. Um, they have the eleventh most penalty yards and the tenth most penalties in the league. Um, but I don't know if that's, you know, that's I don't know. I don't. I, I wish I knew how it explained it, but I just I can't figure it out. Yeah, I'm not sure I have anything great for this either. But I do have um, something I, I thought might be interesting. Okay. So. One of the things that uh, a lot of people on Twitter underneath that comment we're talking about is when the Cowboys score their points, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of their fans are saying, well, the Cowboys have great offensive stats because by the time, um, by like the halfway point in the game, the other team is just playing prevent defense, which just allows the Cowboys to kind of do whatever the hell they want here. And, um, get garbage time points kind of basically the guy the cowboys this year are uh blake bortles and the jaguars of uh yesteryear gross yes so how many how many touchdowns how many touchdowns do you think the cowboys have scored in the first quarter this year um how many did they have total 
I guess I have that number in front of me. Uh, I don't have it. Um, I don't know. 35. 35 touchdowns in the first quarter. All right. Uh, now I'm doing the math. They had 39 total. So I'm going to go a little lower and say 15. Six. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Six. 30, 34 was kind of high. How um, many do you think they had in the second quarter? Uh, I'll say eight. Ten. Okay. Ten. So in the first half of the game, they have 16 total touchdowns. Not great. For the entirety of the 13 games they played, they played 13 games. They've scored in the first half 16 times. That's that's like 1.2 times per game. That's awful. That's fucking bad. So it's, it's, now hold on. Man, just, just, just for perspective, that, let's keep going bad. through it. Yeah. Third quarter. How many do you think they got? Um, twelve, thirteen, eight. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, this also makes sense because Jason Garrett sucks. Yeah. All right. He fair can't. Enough. He can't. He can't adjust. So they have a better chance, of, or at least this, this so far this season, they performed better in the second half in the second uh, quarter than they have at uh, making halftime adjustments for the third. And then finally, how many do you think they've scored in the fourth? Um, I guess I should be able to do the math, but I'll say f- 16. Close. 14. Damn. Which is their highest number. And you put those yeah. two numbers together, it's 22, which is six more than their uh, first half performance, which um, over the course of 13 games, that means that they've scored almost double. They're scoring... They're scoring Oh, not almost a little. More like more like fifty percent more, which is noticeable. Yeah, and I mean, it's it says something about you know their offense and their productivity and their efficiency early on. But it's hard saying you know they have a good offense when it's all coming Blake Bortles style because of who Blake Bortles was. Like it's it's a bad stain and you know it's a bad taste in my mouth and it's just. I don't feel comfortable allowing those, you know, allowing them to count those kind of yards. No, no one does. That's why everyone always used to knock on Blake Bortles because, yeah, all the numbers were there. But if you watch the games, you knew that the timing of them made them rather suspect. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just real quick, because it's here and I'm kind of interested. uh, Touchdowns in the first quarter, the Cowboys have allowed how many? Um, Seven. Nine. Okay. Nine. So they've got six and they allowed nine. So the Cowboys usually go into the second quarter down. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many second quarter? Uh, I'll stick with nine. <laughs> it is nine. Yeah. <laughs> and they've scored, I think I said 10 um, in I the second so. quarter. Of, so now they're still in a first half deficit. Um, it's what did I say. Eight, right? Yeah, eight and nine or so. Oh fuck, I forgot. I think it was nine and nine. Yeah, let's, all right. Let's call it seventeen allowed versus sixteen got in the first half. So they have been outperformed ever so slightly on the touchdown scale in the first half. Yes. Let's look at the second half. Um. How many do you think they have allowed in the third quarter? I'm going to say six. 
seven. They've Ooh. allowed seven. So they tightened up a lot. They got a lot more in in um the third quarter on their end. They got uh no, they only got one more. I think they got eight in the first quarter, the third quarter of, of the um the last uh they've oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> We're both starting. We're both off tonight. Yeah. yeah. They have earned eight touchdowns and have allowed seven touchdowns. So now they're about even on their performance. So now it comes down to the fourth quarter, at least in theory it does. Mm-hmm. So in the fourth quarter where they scored the vast majority of their touchdowns, they scored, I believe we said 14. How many do you think they, they have allowed in the fourth quarter? Uh, I th- I'm going to go with five. It is four. Four. So they've really tightened up in the fourth quarter. So yeah. one would so think... It, so if you want to think about it, they're scoring a lot in the fourth quarter. They have the ball. They are controlling, you know, the time of possession. So naturally, the opponent's going to have less time to control the ball themselves. So they're going to be scoring a lot less. Yep. Basically, the 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 teams in the second half are letting the Cowboys kind of play more of their own game, and they're not trying as hard on offense. Which, if you think about it, also it makes a lot of sense because teams in the second half, they're probably trying to run out the clock and they're not focused on scoring as much as they are concerned with time management. Mm-hmm. So, so, I'm gonna, you, so basically the Cowboys are losing the game in the first half. Yeah. And if they were able to get ahead in the first half, you have the best offensive line, arguably, in the league. You have arguably one of the best power runners in the league was Ezekiel Elliott. If you had the lead early on, you could grind the game to a halt, keep running the ball, keep burning the clock, and be able to hold out these games. But because they're starting from behind, you know, they've been really great throwing the ball this year, no doubt about it. But they would be much more comfortable running the ball throughout instead of having to play catch up. You know who they also remind me of? Um, they're like a bad version. They're like the you know they they are the inverse of the Penguins from a few years ago when they made the playoffs with like a negative goal and uh, goal uh, differential. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the Penguins would uh, lose in blowouts and then win all of their tight games. Yep. And the Cowboys are losing in blowouts. Uh, sorry, winning in blowouts and losing all the tight games. So here here's mm-hmm. the Cowboys uh, game log. They beat the Giants 35 to 17. So we're at plus 18. They beat the Redskins 31 to 21. So now we're at plus 28. They beat the Dolphins 31 to 6. So now we're at plus 53. Then they lose to the Saints. Uh, the first loss of the season was a 3 and 1, lost 10 to 2. So now we're at plus 51. So it went down a little bit. Then they lost to the Packers 3 and 2. Uh, they lost 24 to 34. So now we're at plus 42 to 41. Then they lost to the Jets. I forgot they lost to us. So now they're three and three. They only lost by two points. So now they're plus 39 uh, point differential. Beat the Eagles by 27. So they're up to what? Plus 60, right? 69, some shit. Doesn't matter. A high number. They're still up. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. They, I, was fo- I was following along with what you were saying. I just not the math. Beat the Giants. They're at five and three. They had 19 points on that. So they're winning by two scores, three scores pretty consistently. Lost to the Vikings by one score, 24 to 28. 
uh, beat the Lions 35 to 27. That's actually a one score game where they they won by one score, shockingly. Then they lost to the Patriots by one score, 13 to nine. They lost to the Bills by two scores, 15 to 26. And they lost to the Bears by one score, 24 to 31. So their production is there in the games that they managed to win, but in games that they lose, like they can't seem to eke it out. Do you remember the uh, the Chargers from a few years back that finished first in offense, first in defense, and first in special teams? No, they were dead last and, in special teams. Oh, they were dead last in special teams. First offense, defense, and missed the playoffs? Yes, because of special teams. That's like, you know, these Cowboys are like the budget version of them. Yeah, you know what? I, I can, I'm just nothing but cops right now. They also remind me of the Mariners from a few years ago. I think like two years ago. Yeah. The Mariners had this really strong first half, but it's because they kept winning games by one run. And there was a whole bunch of like articles like, you know, are the Mariners good now? Like, no, they're not. Like, one run games are kind of a crapshoot historically. So chances are this trend will come back down to earth and they'll start losing one run games. And everyone was like, no, the Mariners are good. And then what happened? They bombed the second half because they kept losing all the one-run games. And that's kind of the Cowboys right now. They're losing all the one-run games. They're losing all the one-score games. And guess what? You have to win those. Yeah, Not by a lot, I, but you have to win them. Like Production's great, but you got to win. I don't know how you can blame anyone else right now other than Jason Garrett. You know, oh, there's no like one else the, to blame. The offense hasn't been great, but I mean, you, we talked about how they're top 10 in both offense and defense. You can't really, you know, blame anyone other than the guy making the biggest mistakes that we've been able to notice. How many games do you think the Seahawks have won or lost by greater than? One score. Um, how many games have they played total? Twelve. Yes. Uh, um, yeah. I'll guess six. All right, let's go through it. So they won Week One against the Bengals, twenty-one to twenty, which, looking back now, is hysterical. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, yeah, so that's what's not only one score; it's one fucking point. Then they beat the Steelers, twenty-eight to twenty-six, two points, one score. Also lost, looks not great. Yeah. Uh lost to the Saints 27 to 33. That's six points, still one score. Beat the Cardinals 27 to 10. So that's two scores. All right. So that, that, that's the first one. Then they beat the Rams 30 to 29. A second one-point victory. Um, still one score. They beat the Browns 32 to 28. That's four points, still one score. They lost to the Ravens 16 to 30. That is two scores. So that's the second one. Uh, They beat the Falcons 27 to 20, seven points, one score. Beat the Buccaneers in overtime. So that's obviously one score. They beat the 49ers in overtime. That's also obviously one score. They beat the Eagles uh, 17 to nine, also one score. And they beat the Vikings 37 to 30, also one score. They have only two games that they won or lost by more than one score. Wow. That's ridiculous how tight these I games thought, have been. I thought by pure chance it would even approach six. Wow. Yeah, they have won one game by more than one touchdown, uh, and they have lost 
one game by more than one touchdown. It's fucking nuts. Russell Wilson is forcing that to happen. Oh, God. All right, so let's go through this because it's actually kind of interesting. How many first quarter touchdowns do you think they have? Uh, Seven. Actually, Eight. yeah, seven on the dot. Woo. Uh, Including a pick six, which is kind of cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah, from Jadavian Clowney. Oh, I uh, remember that. Yeah, so they have, they have seven. Uh, second quarter touchdowns? Uh, seven. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, mm. eleven, twelve. Ooh, that's a lot. Which that's speaks great on uh, Russell Wilson and the coaching staff. Yeah, really. Making those adjustments in game. Good on them. Third quarter touchdowns. Ooh. Um, I'll guess nine. Nine on the dot. I'm getting better at this. Yeah, you're getting pretty good. And fourth quarter touchdowns. Ooh, um, I'll guess 10. 11. Wow. Which makes a lot of sense given the fact they've won so many tight games. Yeah. Uh, and they have a single fifth quarter touchdown. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, the overtime. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah, they won one overtime game by a field goal and the other one by a touchdown. I don't know why I got it so excited when you said fifth quarter. Like, I've just learned a new fact about football that could have <laughs> a fifth quarter. It would be cool, though. That would be pretty dope. Yeah. If no, it's like, this... a, a, like a hidden area on the field where, like, if you catch a pass on this exact spot, it opens up a prize wheel and you get a fifth quarter. All right, so I'm not going to read it all out, but I'm just kind of eyeballing their opponent touchdown log, and it definitely looks like the fourth quarter is where they let up the most, which, again, makes the most sense because that's where they're either probably... I would guess they're playing prevent defense, but at the same time, that's where the um, Seahawks have also scored a lot of their touchdowns, so could be fourth quarter shit show kind of stuff happening or um, neither team wanting the win. Russell Wilson kicking and screaming, dragging that team, kicking and screaming through it. Tough to say, but uh, he, he's fucking doing it, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, what do you want to talk about next? Oh, do you have anything else on the Cowboys I should ask? I do want to ask you about Dak Prescott. Yeah, go for it. What do you think happens with the... Like, he's not getting the extension he, he wants. That's got to be certain, Uh, right? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be the one that he wants. I think he's still going to get an extension, though. I think they'll settle around like 27, 28. Yeah? Yeah. I think the market's trending up. That He's going to naturally get more money than you would expect because he's signing a contract. Um, You know, I... There's no way he gets 30, but I don't see him falling down to like 27 or 25 either. So I think like a 27, 28, you know, four year deal. I I mean, it makes the most sense, but it also just feels so weird because the team's been so bad. I will read mm-hmm. out Dak Prescott's uh, adjusted passing rate stat numbers as we love these stats. Uh, he currently has a 120. Yards per attempt plus a 126 net yards per attempt plus a 115 adjusted yards per attempt plus a 120 adjusted net yards per attempt plus 104 completion percent plus 
102 touchdown percent plus, 101 interception percent plus, 123 sack percent plus, all total up for a 108 rate, uh, QB rate, or uh, passer rating, passer rating plus. Uh, so by all accounts, this is a tidy, tidy season for Dak Prescott. And yet, the Cowboys are sucking dick. <laughs> yeah, This is just um, so perplexing. Who, so, like, who do you think they should go after if not Jason Garrett? Well, they're not going after Jason Garrett. He's out. Who are they getting to replace him? Well, we already mentioned Ron Rivera uh, the other mm-hmm. day, and I still think that's going to certainly be uh, looked at. I saw on Twitter talks of Urban Meyer, and I didn't yeah, realize I was he was just, still was going, going to coach. I don't know. I don't know if I see that. Like, it's definitely the prestige of a job that, you know, Urban is looking for at this point in his career. I just don't know if I see him going to the NFL. I mean, he's had so much success in college. He's such a good recruiter. He could easily maintain that success essentially anywhere he goes in, you know, the Power Five. Um, you know, it, you see college coaches go up to the NFL and it not always working out, like Urban Meyer, or not Urban Meyer, uh, Nick Saban. Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, exactly. I, I don't know if he... Uh, I don't know if he takes that risk. Uh, you know, he doesn't really need another uh, a dark spot in his resume. You know. Also, isn't he sick? I thought he was. Didn't he have cancer? Uh, I don't know if it was cancer specifically, but both of his last, you know, departures from Florida and from Ohio State have been because of health concerns. With Florida, I think it was his heart. Um. And I guess it's just stress related all around. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. So going going from uh, college to the pros is usually a huge honor and a big accolade, and I think it certainly still is. But when it when it comes to football, it's just such a different fucking animal, and the level of success varies so wildly. Mm-hmm. Um, Plus, it's also a very weird case where you could end up taking a pay cut. Um, yeah, going from college to the NFL. Some of the, I think, the highest um, government employees in the country are all and um, college football head coaches. I think it's like sixty to seventy percent of all, like the highest paid public employees in each state. I think like sixty to seventy percent are from college coaching of football or basketball. Yeah, it's 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 huge, and uh, you know you got to think about whether it's worth it. It's much more intense. You got to think, you know, like, all right, I'm a I'm a forty five year old dude. I got like a kid who's I don't know twelve, and I want to help him in school and not have to do the extra games that the NFL has with the much more rigorous traveling schedule, traveling schedule and practice schedule the NFL has and the media responsibilities that the NFL has, which you have all of in college, but just not to the same extent. And mm-hmm. you get to pick, you know, like you get to choose not to go and stay in college, which is a great, you know, like I bet there's plenty of uh, college athletes that if you told them, Hey, you can make more money and stay in college forever. Um, or you can go to the NFL where it's more prestigious, but you'll earn less and it'll be a lot harder that some might stop, opt to play college football forever. 
so I just found the number that I was talking about earlier about uh, what states are, you know, public employees are coaches and who aren't. Of the 50 states, 39 of them have a coach that are the highest paid employee. Only 11 don't. Oof, wow. What are the 11 that don't? Do you, do you know? Uh, med school dean, med school dean, college president, med school. No, I mean, like, uh, what, what states are they? Oh, uh, Montana, North and South Dakota, Nevada, Alaska, um, and the entirety of the Northeast, uh, except for Rhode Island and Connecticut. All right, so Connecticut is probably Yukon for basketball. And yeah, and then that makes U- sense. Uh, Quinnipiac, maybe for for hockey. Rhode Island. What what schools are in Rhode Island? Uh, URI is the only one that I know because I I yeah. thought Quinnipiac was in con- Connecticut. It could be. I could be wrong on that because URI does have a really good basketball program. What's the Ivy League in Rhode Island? Um, oh, it's a great question. It's I want to not... say Brown because everyone always forgets Brown. I don't think it is. Oh, now I don't know. Uh, Brown University is in Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, wow, that's funny as fuck. Oh, UProv is also there. Yeah, I was going to say that basketball coach is probably pretty highly paid. You know what sucks? Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, no kidding. Awful. Been <laughs> there once. I have no desire to go back. There's a reason that uh, Rhode Island was only given so much land. And they wasted it. (laughs) Fuck them. Imagine, like, as the founding fathers were sitting around, like, carving up the nation, the two dudes from Rhode Island were just, like, sitting in a corner with, like, dunce caps on. Like, you get nothing. Fucking get out of here. Fucking trash-ass state. (laughs) My roommate is from Rhode Island. And he also sucks. Actually, he's from Connecticut, so fuck him. Yeah, he sucks a little bit less. You want to talk <laughs> about Adam Vinatieri? Uh, well, while we're on the topic of college coaches, why don't we talk about college coaches? Sure. Uh, so James Franklin, uh, head coach of Penn State, uh, signed a extension through twenty twenty five with uh, thirty. I'm sorry. No, it was through 2025. It was a six-year extension. He has $34.7 million guaranteed through 2022. Going to have an average salary of $5.78. Uh, he is making a good amount of money right now. Uh, yeah, I would say so. He is the 11th highest paid coach, even after his extension um, in the country behind Florida, Oklahoma. I'm sorry, I'll just, I should use the coaches' names. Uh, Dan Mullen, Lincoln Riley, Jeff Brom, Tom Herman, Gus Malzahn, Kirby Smart, Jimbo Fisher, Jim Harbaugh, Nick Saban, and Debo Sweeney. Dude, college football head coach names are absolutely outrageous. Oh, yeah. They need to Debo be Debo Sweeney, dude. Jimbo Still- Fisher, Kirby Smart, Lincoln Riley. What are some other good ones? Willie Taggart. Oh, that doesn't yeah. even say, yeah, no, it's uh, Ed Orgeron. No. Ed Orgeron, the best sounding coach I've ever heard. What do you think it would be like? Do you think people would do it if um, colleges required coaches to change their oh names to like fit the college? Like you, ha- you have to change your la- your your first name, your middle name, your middle name to the name of the university 
Um, that would be fucking hilarious. Do you think people would do it? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I guess if you're getting paid like twenty five million dollars, you'd be like, oh yeah, okay. I think I think people absolutely would do that. Why wouldn't they? All right, hold on. Let me ask you this: Do you think head coaches of college teams would rather um, change their middle name to the middle, uh, change their middle name to to the name of the university, or uh, have to teach a class? Um, Not about football, like an actual class. So grades and assignments. Do you know who Mike Leach is? Uh, The pitcher for the Mariners. No, Uh, that's Mike Leak. Oh, Mike yeah. Leach. Same um, guy. Yeah, same dude. Same state. Um, he is the head coach of Washington State. Um, he's a prolific coach. Uh, he pretty much invented the air raid system and all that. He teaches a warfare class called Warfare and Football. And he oh, teaches you mentioned this, yeah. Former, you know, high-ranking military member. He's pretty dope. I 100% would try to take that class if I went to Washington State. But so, which do you think uh, a head coach would rather do? Um, probably not teaching the class, just because that's a lot of work for professors alone, let alone you know head coaches for the NFL or for you know major colleges. What a hilarious option that would be, though. Like you know, Urban Meyer sits down at Ohio State, about to resign his contract, and. Oh, you know, the, the powers that be at Ohio State go, all right, Urban, are you prepared mm. to be Urban Ohio Meyer? <laughs> I, I or hope. are you prepared to teach intro to economics at 830 on Wednesdays? <laughs> I think there's a lot of coaches that, like, if you started this now, they're like, no, my fucking name, like, the brand of my name is worth so much more than this coaching gig. Get the fuck out of here. But what what like college is Jimbo Fisher? Coach for um, Texas A&M right now. He was Florida State when they had their, you know, little dynasty run. So, would you rather it be Jimbo A&M Fisher or Jimbo Texas Fisher? Uh, Jimbo Tamu Fisher. Jimbo Tamu Fisher. Because wow. if you're if you're living in Texas and you call Texas A&M Texas, they will string you up. Oh, kind of like calling the Pittsburgh Steelers um, Pitt? Um, no, I, honestly, it would be like... Uh, it's kind of like if you called like Ohio State, Ohio. Or like calling the Mets the New York team. Ha <laughs> ha, fuck out of here. Uh, you got Yankees. Em. Yeah. Um, so I do have to make another correction. Uh the information I was reading out for James Franklin's contract was from his last contract extension. They have not yet released the specific numbers, but it is an extension through 2025. So it is big. We just don't know how it is, big. It is big. It's just instead of, you know, uh, a small increase. Cause I was, as I was reading that, I was like, wow, five point, you know, 5.8, whatever it was. That's not a huge salary that you would expect. Um, it's probably going to be much higher than that. It's probably going to be in like the eight million range, eight nine million. Yeah, that's some that's some serious coin. Actually, a little less, probably probably like seven or eight. Final answer. <laughs> <laughs> and the board says, um, "All right, are you now ready to talk about Adam Vinatieri?" 
Yeah, once I comment that that is not how Family Feud works. Survey says... (laughs) That was close. Survey says Adam Vinatieri. Survey says... Oh, no, that would have been my guess. Like, yo, uh, I see what you... (laughs) No, that didn't put up there, but I... uh, That's Steve Harvey. (laughs) Sure, we'll take it. Or an old crawdad fisherman. Same thing, really. Uh, all right. So Adam Vinatieri is going to miss this Sunday's game, which, again, if you're listening to this, already happened. Adam Vinatieri has played in the NFL uh, forever. Believe it or not, yeah. Yeah, uh, he, he has played since 1996. So he has been playing longer than I have been alive. Yeah, yeah. He played for New England from. Oh, sorry, 96 to 05, and then with the Colts from 06 to present day 2019. That is a nice, long 24-year career. He Mm -hmm. has been sterling all through it, with the exception of this season. He has led the league in field goal percent three different times. He's led the league in field goals made, shockingly, only once. Um but whatever and he's led the league in extra points attempted and made uh also shockingly only once um but to go with that he has made all of his extra points a startling one two three four five (laughs) six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen times thirteen years of never missing extra point startling number i haven't counted yet bear with me it was just so big. I wasn't expecting <laughs> yeah, it to be so no. big. 13. <laughs> that means that, like, and his, most recently at age 44. Yeah, it's it's impressive. Yo, his age 44 like season, is... he attempted 44 extra points and made 44 extra points. Oh, what a guy. For a number four himself. <laughs> I mean, he is the all-time points leader in the history of the NFL with 2,673. That's insane. Like, that is an all-time record right there. He is also made two punt attempts in his career, and that is hilarious. Yes. He made his first punt attempt in his first year, 1996. It was 27 yards. Uh, That was it. And he made his second punt attempt five years later in 2001, and it went 33 yards. You want to know something really funny along with that? Yes. Uh, as you were saying that, I was looking at the uh, field goal leaders for this season uh, and noticed that Ty Long, the starting kicker for the Los Angeles Chargers currently, has 36 punts this year. Is that a lot or a little? I genuinely don't know. Uh, for your a kicker, I feel like that's a lot. I mean, yeah, Adam Vinatieri has had what two in his career, and yes, thirty six this year. Wow, no, that is a lot. Holy shit! Yeah, because I was looking through it, I was like, oh, that's like zero, 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 two, one. Oh, thirty six. Holy fuck! So Adam Vinatieri has never in his career prior to this year dipped below. Let's see what the other low is here: seventy, seventy three point five percent of his field goals made uh that low comes in 2003 outside of that season he had never been below 75 percent with his other with his uh, second i guess now third lowest mark 
being 1996, his rookie year, in which he made 77.1% of his field goals. So for reference, 75% this year would be good for 24th in the league. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Anyway, um, this year he is at 68%. 31st in the league right now. Who's below him? Um, Brett Mayer for the Dallas Cowboys, who has been their starting kicker all season. That makes a lot uh, of sense. Matt Bryant, who was released uh, after a long career. Uh, Robbie Gould for San Francisco, um, who has been hurt. And then Cairo Santos for Tennessee. But he's only made, he he's only attempted good. nine, so. Uh, yeah, Adam Vinatieri, he has, can I see it just a cumulative attempt? Yeah, there it is. He's attempted 25 and he's made 17. Although, I'm actually slowly, as I look at this, more willing to forgive him. So he's attempted seven field goals within the 20 to 29 yard mark. And he made six of them, so he missed one. All right, you know, that sometimes is what it is. Mm-hmm. From 30 to 39, he's attempted six and made all six. So from 20 to 39, he's only missed one field goal. And that's like the gimme area, you know? That's pretty on yeah. brand. That's that's and an actually, extra point area right there. And it's also actually better than he did last year because last year he missed one, just like he did this year, 17 and 16 within 20 to 29 yards. And then he missed four. Uh, he attempted eight, made four from the 30 to 39 yard category. So he missed five altogether in that area. So he's actually doing better uh, from the 40 to 49 yard length. He has attempted seven and only made three. So he's missed four, which is one more than he made one more than he missed last year. And actually two fewer than he missed in 96, which I don't know why that's coming up. Hmm. Um, oh, because I don't have it sorted weird. That's why. Actually, all of that's wrong. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Rush so you mentioned how from uh, zero to 39 yards, he has only had one miss so far this season. Yes. There are only two kickers in the NFL who have more than one miss uh, at those distances, and that's Robbie Gould and Cairo Santos the two kickers with the lowest field goal percentage in the league. All right. Well, that's just, first off, that's just so fucking sad. The I last was very is, curious, and I was I was very sad once I got to the bottom, because I was like, damn, that is not something to be proud of. <laughs> no, no. That's, as, as, a, as a fan, those are the ones you notice more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. those are the ones you go, oh, you're, you're a real son of a bitch, aren't you? Ones where like you don't mind looking away from the screen to like grab something because you're like he's gonna make it. Of course. Anyway, the last category he has attempted five fifty plus yard field goals and only made two. So, which um is uh, so he's missed three of them. Which the last time he missed three of those in a season was twenty twelve. Jesus, Vinatieri. <laughs> when he attempted seven and made four. Um, my God, Vinatieri, what the fuck? He's actually attempted more 50-plus yarders in recent history than he did like his entire time in New England. I wonder if that's, that's just a strategy true. thing. I don't know. I guess, you know, weather is really awful in New England in the colder months. Maybe it's just, you know, 
that much worse that it's not even worth attempting. It, I, it's a theory. I don't know. It, I, that, it's definitely a plausible theory. I also wonder if just like aggressiveness with game, um, with scoring, you know, like we're seeing more fourth down attempts. Doesn't matter. Um, so the thing is, though, I'm kind of willing to brush that five and two off to the side, which if you did, his field goal percent is actually 75 percent which i know you can't just take stats away to make yourself feel better but uh i it, it made me feel better and i like that but it's not uh, like he would improve like it's not like 75 percent. excuse me is like a good bar to shoot for no but at the same time it is a lot more in line with where he usually is or at least the low end of where he usually is mm. um because the 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 chip gimme shots he's still making fine. I I haven't watched any of his games. Do you think he could just be losing leg strength or or hip flexor or just some kind of strength? Um, I've only I watched the Steelers game fully where uh, I know he missed a kick there, uh, and I saw some of the games earlier on in the season where he's missed a couple. Um, some of it is planting issues, uh, planting too early, and just you know, missing the point of the ball that you're trying to hit. Uh, there's been a hold issue here and there where the the punter, Rigoberto Sanchez, who is the holder for them as well, kind of placed it incorrectly, kind of fucked it up a little bit. Um, but they haven't exactly always been close misses. Like the one in, in the Steelers game was a, a wild miss. That was awful. Um, it's, you know, it's been rough. It's not been a good year. It's it's hard to be able to watch him play and watch him kick and be like, there's some you know glimmers of hope there, but it's just not a lot. Yeah, I think I think the real telling point here is this forty to forty nine mark, mm-hmm. uh, where he's already missed four. Do you know the last time he missed four or more of those kicks in a season? I do not. Two thousand one. Ooh. Yeah, where he went um, seven for twelve. That's really bad. Yeah. Oh, like 2018 he missed one 2017 one the year before that two M- made all of them the year before that missed one missed two missed one missed two missed one made both of them um missed three missed two missed one missed two missed one missed three missed two and then in 2001 he missed five damn so and and that's really that and the fifty plus, which again I still would be pretty willing to brush the fifty plus off ones because those are often a gamble. They're getting made at a pretty decent rate, but if your kicker misses a fifty-two yard field goal, I mean you're not that mad. Uh, no. But forty to forty-nine, yeah. Like sorry, so hold on. Let's. I'm going to keep out those fifty plusers, and I'm going to give him. Let's say he makes five out of seven. All right. So that puts him at um, be 17 for 20. 85%. He'd be at 85%. It's a pretty big difference. Those two two kicks. Yeah. Two important kicks. Six important points. So do you think he recovers? Do you think he comes back uh, after the offseason and goes back to his same old Adam Vinatieri self? or? No, I think is he's, 40, he's been pretty six year old, forty seven year old Adam Vinatieri going to be too old to uh, come back. I I think he's he's 
going to retire on his own terms. I think he'll probably play through this 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 contract year and then be done. And I think he'll be okay with that because I think I think Adam Vinatieri's known for a long time that the end is near, but yeah. that he's good enough to persevere for a little while longer. And I think he'll be ready because you don't get to be that age in sports very frequently, regardless of the sport, but especially in football, even for lesser contact positions in theory, like kicker by far, but also kind of quarterback. They do get hit a lot, but not to the same degree as other positions. Um, And you have to assume that once Vinatieri crossed like 35, he was like, all right, cool. I'm just going to see what happens. and uh, I mean, I'd say he's got to be mentally, it's not going to be easy, but I got to imagine he's been mentally preparing for this for a while. I'm sure those thoughts have been coming for more than just this season. I mean, when you're 46 years old, I'm sure when you were like 35 or young, even younger than that, it's like, do I want to retire? Nah, probably not. 46, you definitely know every kick could be your last. Do you think he ever wants to retire? Or do you think he's just like, he's just come to, do you think any pro athlete wants to retire? It's a, it's a weird question, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it gets to the point where they get burnt out a little bit. Um, you know, it depends on who it is, obviously, but I've definitely heard those stories where, you know, guys just, they lose the love for the game. They just get tired out. They get hurt and just the rehab's not worth it anymore. And they want to retire. Um, I think at this point, Adam Vinatieri is looking at it and he's thinking, hey, I've done this for so long. You know, I'm never going to be able to do something like this again. Might as well keep doing it until I really can't because this is what I want to do. So just because we were talking about um, important field goals, I thought I would take a, a little peek at Vinatieri's season and where the two most impactful uh, field goals he missed could have been. And I think I have them for you. You ready? Okay. Yep. The first one, well, it's not the first one chronologically, but uh, one of them is the Pittsburgh game that you mentioned. Oof. In that game, uh, the Colts, in which the Colts lost, um, where is it? 24 to 26, so two-point differential. Adam Vinatieri went one for two in extra points and one for two in field goals. So he, yeah. Vinatieri left four points on the board. We didn't so touch he, on the uh, extra points at all, but he has been really bad with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize that either, but now that's in front of me, like... Ooh, he is dead last in the NFL with extra point attempts with 78.6. The next lowest is 85.3. Yeah, I think that's the, the hidden part of this conversation we hadn't talked about. The anyway, median is 93%, just saying. So, give the the Colts, the four points that they were literally set up for, they would have won. The other game I think is a little bit more challenging because there are games in which there is a three point or fewer differential, but where uh, either the Colts won those games, like beating the Titans 19 to 17 um, and beating the Falcons 27 to 24, or where uh, Vinatieri didn't miss a field goal. Like they, lost to the Texans 17 to 20, but Adam Vinatieri made all of his field goals that game. So I think week one versus the chargers in which they lost 24 to 30, but they lost in overtime. So they went into overtime 24 to 24. 
Vinatieri in that game, one for two on extra points, one for three on field goals. So that means he left seven points on the board. The Colts should have won that game in theory, 31 to 24. Mm-hmm. So those are probably the two most. Uh, so to give him, but if even though, even so, you give him one of the of the the kicks in that game, the Colts would have won it 27 to 24. So I, I picked those as my two most important kicks Vinatieri missed of the season. I'd agree with those. Which is tough because he's such an easy, easy dude to root for. Yeah, pretty far removed from that snow game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean... It's that just, famous that Pats a, one? Yeah, it was a, such a clutch kick. I mean, he has so many that's game the, winners in the Super the Bowl. The Tuck Rule game, right? Uh, yeah, that snow game was the Tuck Rule. Yeah, it almost didn't even register to me for a second. Wow. Hating on the Patriots for so long. Never gets old. It made me one of the, just like Tom Actually, Brady. I, I was definitely not conscious for that Tuck Rule game. Like I was way too young. But you know, in general, I don't. I don't even remember the, the Tuck Rule game happened in '01. I was seven. Ooh. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I must have been like four. What year was it? You said. I believe the Tuck Rule game was '01 because because that was the oh, year they shit. beat. Was it '01 or was it '02? '02. It was '02. It was '02. Yeah, so I would have been yeah. five. I would have just turned five. Yeah. Fuck it, man. Shit's whack. Yeah. Um, the Rays traded Tommy Pham. Yeah, I don't. I I'm sorry. People keep like yelling about this on Twitter. How they think it's so unfair, one way or the other. I think it's a pretty good trade for the Rays, but I don't know if it's you know stealing, like everyone said. Uh, so I get a lot of Rays fans' points. Like they had a real attachment to Tommy Pham after last season because it feels like they never have good hitters. Mm-hmm. And when they do, they don't stay around for long. And then they had Tommy Pham, and now he's gone. So yeah, I I get the frustration with it. Um. I, I think the main point of it was probably the prospects. I agree. That seems to be it because I can't imagine. All right. So what are the Padres getting out of this? That's the thing I really can't figure out. That's why I don't think it's a fleece, but I also don't fully get. I mean, yeah, Tommy Pham's an upgrade, but I, you would think that they'd want to focus more on things like pitching. I would agree. Um, I think they're improving in. So they're getting a better outfielder. They're giving up a pretty good prospect in Xavier Edwards, and they're getting getting back a two-way guy who has a fairly high ceiling. Um, I think the Padres are doing this for you know for offense, obviously, like you said, and and I think the Rays are doing it because they see Tommy Pham as a thirty-two-year-old outfielder, and they have a lot of young guys and. They can get a pretty damn good prospect back from it, so why not? Yeah, I think the other part of this is cost um, because Tommy mm. Pham is... Um, where did I, I just had it? There it is. In 2020, he's going to be making $8.6 million. And uh, in 
2020, Hunter Renfro will be making $3.4 million, which is that a big difference? No. But this is also the Rays, and they have very little money and don't like to spend it. Or at least yeah. they claim they have very little money. Uh, believe what you will. I am a natural skeptic. But So I have some pretty cool stats, or two pretty cool stats here for you. Um, players since 2017, which was FAM's breakout season, to average 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases. Mookie Betts, Francisco Lindor, Christian Yelich, and Jose Ramirez. All MVP winners or top five finalists. And Tommy Pham. Hmm. Uh, that's a fairly intriguing stat. So here's Padres position players in war since 2017. Pham's breakout. Uh, Hedges is first with 5.5. Margot has 4.1. Renfro, who he was traded for, has 3.6. Fernando Tatis in his rookie year has had 3.6. And Manny Machado has had 3.1. In the same timeline, Tommy Pham has had 13.6. Yeah, So that's a pretty serious upgrade there if you're looking at war. Real quick, that was from Foolish Baseball, right? Yes. Yeah, the, he's wrong. I don't get that tweet at all. Really? Be- because he only counted um, um, Manny Machado's 2019 war because that's the only year he was on the Padres. Yeah, like, I guess same with... Uh, also counting all of Tommy Pham's war during that point because it, since 2017, Manny Machado's war uh, is yeah. 3.5, 2.9, and 3.1. Which is like still not as high as Tommy Pham's, I guess, but it's, it's also very good. So yeah, I that, don't get what the fuck. Oh, sorry. Can he you actually, look up? I guess I'll actually, look up his 2018 war is 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 2.9 plus 2.8 because he had 2.9 with Baltimore and 2.8 with the Dodgers. So his 20, 2018 war is actually 5.7. So he probably has he might have more than Tommy Pham there. I don't get that tweet in the. Sl- it seems so disingenuous. Well, now I feel foolish. I, I genuinely like foolish baseball. Um, yeah. I genuinely don't get the point of the tweet because it seems so obviously incorrect with an agenda. So uh, his actual 2017 to 2019 uh, war is 12.3. Still less than Tommy Pham, but not by nearly as much as he's trying to say. Yeah, it's a, it's a startlingly large... Because it's one thing... I... <sighs> The logic of it's so bad, because if you're saying, all right, this is what they've earned as Padres, then okay, Manny Machado has only earned 3.1 war as a Padre. But at the same time, uh, Tommy Pham has earned zero war as a Padre. So if you were to insert Tommy Pham into that, he would be dead fucking last outside of anyone with negative one. Sorry, Margot's is incorrect too. I'm just going through this list and looking up the different players it could, yeah, you know, this, it could be. What happened was the guy who ran Foolish Baseball 100% just like did a really lazy search and po- pasted over the results and didn't even think to himself, hey, maybe these guys were on different what? teams before they got where on the Padres since 2017 and Hedges. put zero work in here. Yeah, Hedges. Oh, because this is F4. I'm looking up. 
uh, baseball reference for her. So that's why it's a little different for some of these. Okay. But, All right. Yeah. So I was wrong on many accounts that with that, but we figured it out. What Blue's Clues is all about. Did you see hey. uh, Blake Snell's reaction to this trade? Yes, it was hilarious. So fucking funny. I've never heard the phrase slapdick, slapdick before. I have. I love it. Fucking slapdick prospect. Did you see all like the fake baseball cards with slapdick prospect? I on did. It? it was hilarious. Yeah. We follow a lot of the same people, it seems. Yes, we do. It's great. <laughs> it's a treat. Um, that's going to make for a great spring training uh, conversation. Oh, 100%. Hey, man, what's your name? Uh, I'm Slapdick Prospect. <laughs> Do you think he'll remember that? The guy who got called Slapdick? No, the guy who, uh, you know, Blake Snell. Oh, he definitely will. He's getting raked right Perfect. now on Twitter. <laughs> Good. Which do, do you think he deserves it? Uh, no, I think it's, hey, it's one of your friends who you've been playing with for the past two years, three years. Um, just got traded to a different team for a guy that you personally have never heard of. Of course, you're going to react negatively to that. Like, come on. Yeah, I kind of think the same. Like, yeah, he's been playing with uh, a year and a half because he got traded midway through 2018. Playing and with Fam for a year and a half. Fam was on the team that that uh, Blake Snell won the Cy Young with. Like, yeah. that, that means a lot. And he's in the middle of playing, I assume, like Fortnite or, you know, Modern Warfare while he's streaming so obviously he's you know in a semi stressful zone yeah we should just be glad he didn't drop the n-word right fucking pewdiepie yeah um the another weird take i saw was oh geez tommy fam on his third team will he finally be happy with this one oh shut the fuck up i know because like so (laughs) it was a thing because tommy fam got traded away from the cardinals to the rays because he wasn't satisfied with the playing time he was getting. He thought he could contribute more. He wasn't happy in St. Louis, which, to his credit, he was very likely correct about. Um, and by all accounts, he certainly was. Yeah. And he, and yeah, he asked for that one, but he didn't ask for this one. No. This that was, we know of. Yeah. Not, nothing, nothing came out about this one. He was standing Tampa Bay all during the regular season. Like, you know, he, yeah, he had, I think one off color comment about like wishing there were more people in the stands, but at the same time, like I bet everyone on the race feels that way. Uh, yeah, I, so what a terrible take. Yeah. Fuck those people. that said it. Yeah. I don't know who, but fuck them. I bet it was foolish baseball. That piece of crap. All right. He actually has a pretty good account. I like him. Yeah, it is a good account. Um, all right, I don't really have a anything. Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, the Mets trading for Jake Morrisnick. I have to talk about this. Sure, go for it. I don't understand. Uh, I don't. Understand what was it? it? The Mets. The Mets traded for, for Jake Morrisnick. Yeah, he has never been good. Beyond he that, he has often been bad. Cheating was like kind of above average. And when he's bad, he's really, really bad. So since 2017, the year that the cheating started, uh, Jake Marisnik hit started o- OPS plus 119 in 2017, a lot of cheating, mm-hmm. 83 in 2018, and 80 in 2019, which means even with Ugh. the cheating, he's been bad. That's rough. Yeah. And 
that's and not only that, but let's take a few other things into consideration here. Like one, Jake Marisnik plays in a very hitter friendly ballpark in Minute Maid Field. Guess where the Mets play? Not a hitter friendly ballpark. City Field is not is a very pitcher friendly ballpark. And they and he was on the Astros team while they were cheating. And he's not going to get that advantage in New York. Not just because I don't think the Mets are cheating, but also because the um there's going to be a huge crackdown on it now that it's come out about this shit. I I I I, I just don't so, I don't fucking get it, man. What did they give up for him? Oh, um some prospect. I generally don't remember. I think a pitching prospect. No one of note, obviously. Um, not that I would know, just because I don't follow the Mets as well. Right. Um, I I could pull up the trade. I don't truly care to. Yeah, unless I see some scout or football guy tweeting about who this prospect is and how I should feel. Um, I I'm not gonna know who he is. So that's all I was looking for. Yeah, because like the Astros side of this, like they don't care, uh, because you know Jake Marisnik isn't going to be a huge contributor going forward, especially with uh, the <laughs> cheating <laughs> going hmm. away, and like he's not good enough for it to matter. So exactly, yeah, he's just gonna like they, it's probably good for them. Like they don't have to pay him next year, and they get to uh, have a new prospect as a lottery ticket i don't like i guess again because i don't remember how well touted um he is and probably not very for the mets i just because the thing is with the mets so all right so let's assume that they want to win now jake marisnik does not help you win now yes his defense is very good from whatever metric you want to use or under a base assumption of, of eye test yes his bat oh my god it's so fucking bad yeah i just he's not gonna help you actively win games he could he could help you act not actively lose them with good defense but he will not actively help you win them so i don't believe that and at the and he's not an asset you can readily trade away at the deadline if things don't turn out well your way like you could with a better prospect like or a better player like if they took a risk on one year left of his contract guy like uh like Tommy Pham mm-hmm. um he's got two left uh, same sentiment yeah let's assume he has one just for the sake of this if the Mets end up sucking a, a fat wad they can just they can trade Tommy Pham away at the deadline and get something back to try to build going forward because Tommy Pham will be part of the of the future plan. But they can't do that with Jake Marisnik. Jake Marisnik has no value. The fact that they traded for a glove first um, platoon bat is insane to me because that that's like every minor league outfielder in the world. It's like playing for a worse version of Kevin Kiermeyer. Yes, yes, it is. It's exactly what it is. Because my thing with the Mets is, wouldn't you rather either A, trade for someone genuinely good and be sincere, B, pay someone who's genuinely good and be sincere with your money, or C, start a highly touted minor leaguer that you want to see if he is any good 
And if not, now you know, and you can move him. If he is, you can play him. And if he is, but your season sucks and you don't want him, you can trade him. I don't understand what Jake Merzik does for the Mets this year or any year going forward. It's such awful planning. Yeah, like I get why you could argue for this. Like the Mets didn't pay practically anything for a guy that they can start and be good defensively. But you know his ceiling is so low that what's and the his point floor. Of, yeah, like like you're saying, like what's the point of even doing it? Like you have to have prospects that probably won't work out because they're prospects that are still, you know, worth more to start than this guy. And I I I, heard, I think I heard people saying that um this is one of uh Carlos Beltran's guys because they played together in 2017. But that's not a reason. That's not a good reason. He's not good. Um the Mets outfield war in 2019 any guesses? Granted, these numbers are very low for everybody. Uh, nah, just just give it to me. Zero point one. That's Ooh, um fuck, which is actually fourteenth in all of baseball. Um, they're tied with the Arizona um, Diamondbacks. A lot of teams are negative here. Um, the team with the most outfield WAR in 2019 was the Yankees at eight point five just ahead of the Dodgers and the Astros. So do the Mets need outfield help? Yes, they do. Is Jake Marisnik the guy who's going to give it to them? No. no. No, he is not. It's fucking stupid to think. It's absolutely asinine to think that he is. Man, Mets are stupid forever and always. I... It makes you so mad because it seems like their problems are so fixable. <laughs> and yet the other thing, and this is such a, a, a side note, but the fact that they let Zach Wheeler walk is also Ugh. so strange because if he went for like a lot of money, like if he went for the larger contract that the White Sox were offering of over $120 million and you didn't want to do it or whatever, like, and you're planning on re-signing somebody else or signing another big-time free agent or whatever. Like, I mean, maybe, okay, maybe. But uh, like six, you couldn't pay $20 million for six years for a homegrown pitching talent? Like, I'm sure they were just super scared of the drop-off you had last year in the second half. And I get that, but at the same time, like, if there's anyone that you should be looking at, it, it's guys like this. Uh It'd be such a great story for him. I, 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 uh, outfielders, outfield free agents that the Mets, uh, should, could, and won't (laughs) sign two contracts. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Um, let's see. Marcelo Zuna, Nick Castellanos, Yasiel Puig, uh, Corey Dickerson would be, would be, eh, but you know, he's there. Uh, Kevin Pillar is not great. It'd be a lateral move with uh, Jake Marisnik. Eric Thames would be super fun. Um, <laughs> would he though? Of course. Avisayel <laughs> Garcia, Adam Jones. Um. Yeah, that's most of it though. I'm not seeing anyone else too exciting here. But those names alone, 
Cameron Maben, even who had a really, really nice season for the Yankees last year. Uh, like there are people out there that they certainly could be looking into. Like if the Mets got Yasiel Puig, that would make so much sense. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool too. I mean, of and course I want him with the Indians, but no, he's not going to get paid anything next year. I I bet you could get him for like three years, anywhere between fifteen and thirty million. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Maybe even lower. It, it, I don't think you could get him for lower. It's the only reason I'm so unsure right now is because I I can't think of any um anyone who's actually signed yet in the outfield. So I'm not sure what we're looking at yet. All right, fair. But fair. like, yeah, Puig wouldn't be outrageously expensive. And guess what? He only costs your money. Like, <laughs> he doesn't cost your prospects. Yeah. Nick Castellanos would be more expensive, but like, he'd also be a great addition to that. Uh, that I would. I definitely Plus, trust Nick Castellanos more than I would trust uh, Yasiel Puig. I could even. I'd even say taking a, a risk on Marcelo Zuno would be super cool. That would be pretty cool. Because it shows that they're at least willing to take a swing. Like, there's so many better things that they could have done rather than trade for. If the trade for Jake Marzing feels like a trade move to just say that they did something. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like, oh, like, why aren't the Mets trading for anyone? Why, why aren't they committing to this team? Oh, but we traded for Jake Marzing. Oh yeah, dude. we almost signed Matt Kemp. <laughs> Matt Kemp, exactly <laughs> who we want to sign. Uh, watches the Mets. That'd be a Mets ass move to do, though. Oh, 100 percent. All right, that's that's all I got. They could have signed Brett Gardner. I I looked at it and I refused to say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was somebody we were forgetting. I didn't forget. Supposedly, I saw his name. I saw today that they offered him a contract. He just accepted it. Yet, uh, I don't know what the truth is. Obviously, but we'll see. Yeah, all will come out in in time, I suppose. How uh, upset would you be if he did not sign with the Yankees? I'd be pretty fucking upset. Devastating. I'd, I I would be really sad, man. I'd be really mm-hmm. if we lost CC and Guardy in the same off season. My heart can't take that, man. Your heart just will take, go on. Just take Judge into the back and shoot him at that point. All right. Anything else you want to talk about tonight? Nah, man. I am beat. Let's get out of here. Let's do it. Let's watch the end of this Pac-12 championship. Oregon is fucking rolling. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to check out the show notes, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers.worksite.com slash website. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. I think I said that already. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. So the, and, uh, what? Uh, the Mets just signed Brad Brock. So they're doing something. Oh, I did see that. Um, cool, bro. That's all I have to say. I just, to that I just saw it go across the bottom of the ticker at the bottom, and I just, I didn't want anything to slip by us again. So I was just making yeah, sure. They signed him to, I believe, an eight hundred and fifty thousand dollar contract. Holy shit! Never mind. Yeah, with a two point one million dollar club option for next year, for twenty twenty one. It's fucking Why? nothing. Why is that on the bottom ticker? Because nothing else happened today. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, until Thursday, y'all. Y'all have a good one. Bye.